Well, we are doing a new series. Outrageous couples in the Bible. And you remember last week who you did? Lot. Lot. And Lot's wife, who doesn't even get a name, just get Lot and salty. wife. Yes, she was salty, for sure. <laughs> so we're looking at what it takes, okay? To do a good relationship and a bad relationship. And what about families that are all messed up? Okay? Because the Bible is filled with families that are just messy. And falling apart. And a lot of different things. Some of them are good. Some of them turn out to be halfway decent. Some of them are just totally bad. Okay? Some of them are really messed up. And we're kind of looking at what is the difference between folks that maybe didn't work out so good. And this one was kind of a split thing, right? Where a lot survived because he kind of had enough good, but then he really wasn't in the end. He really messed up with a lot of things, okay? And that was really mostly because Abraham was his uncle. And Abraham pled for his life, okay? But Lot's wife not so much. She kind of stayed where she was eventually. Okay? So, this is the thing about families. Every family has different things that go on in it. Interesting things that go on in it. And there are no perfect families. Let me just write that down. No perfect Families. No perfect families, okay? Not one of them. Because if you think you have a perfect family, then you're just lying to yourself about it, okay? And that's really the truth. Every family has somebody in it, whether in your extended family or right in your main family. nucleus of a family, they say, that lives right in your house. Somebody has an attitude. Someone is in there that you have to always walk on eggshells around. Whether it's they get up in the morning and they're grumpy or grouchy, or at night they're grumpy or grouchy, or all day they're grumpy and grouchy, I don't know, or all day and all night, okay? There are people in every family that are like this than someone who exaggerates everything, okay? There are people in families just full of exaggeration. Everything they do, just exaggerate it, okay? Someone who's depressed. Someone who plays a victim all the time. It's always me. I always get the worst. Someone who is brash. You know what brash is? Aggressive and says whatever they want verbally, and they just rub people the wrong way, okay? Someone who has a big mouth. Everybody's got a family member with one of those, right? Somewhere out there. Someone who has a temper. Someone who can only think of themselves no matter what. And that's just the way they are. There are all sorts of things that happen in families. And then there's just things we just don't talk about. right? There's lots of that in families. So if you look in the Bible... This is the crazy thing. No one wants 
their dirty laundry aired. That's an old phrase that means when they used to hang things out on the line, right? Outside, they used to hang laundry out on the line. And the point of the line is to clean out, um, to dry up your freshly washed things. No one takes the laundry that's dirty and hangs it up on the line. Okay? Why not? Because your neighbors know just what it is. They can see your dirt. They can see where your clothes are all dirty. And that's what that old phrase comes from, is you don't air your dirty laundry. All right? You don't hang up your dirty laundry. Which means you don't, the things that happen within this house stay in this house. All right? Every family has it. And that's why the Bible is great, because they write down the things that people do. Now, if people wrote a book about my family, I would not want them to, okay? Because there are plenty of things within my own family that I don't want publicly aired in this world to say, here's all the good things about them, and here's all the bad things about them. Okay, no one wants a whole list of bad things published. And yet, that's what they did in the Bible. Most people in the Bible, I think there are only two or three people in the Bible that don't have something bad written about them. Almost every one of them have a lot of bad things written about them, along with good things. Even the best guys have bad things written about them. I bet you if David could pick to have his best conquests written about him all of the things he did as a king, he probably wouldn't pick some of those big sins to have written about him. And yet, there's chapters in the Bible about him killing people that he shouldn't have killed, him committing adultery, and all the things he did and the stupid things he said. And so that's what's good about the Bible. It's just plain old, this is what happened. So we're looking at some of those outrageous families, some of the things that are wrong, and some things should jump out at you and say, hey, that's wrong, or that might even be like my family. All right? So let's go to, we're going to look at one of these messy families here. Uh, Genesis chapter number 25. Genesis chapter 25. And I want to start out with this. Now, we know about Abraham, right? Abraham was a great man of faith. And Abraham walked with God. And Abraham went to the um, promised land. And Abraham had a promise about having a child, and he finally did, after he messed up a couple of times, right? He finally had a child with Sarah, his wife. And do you remember the child's name? Jacob. Isaac, okay? Jacob is the next one down. Isaac, all right, is the young man. And Isaac, when he was, we don't know exact time frame, many people guess around your age, somewhere around there. His father took him out to the mountain alone and because God said, take your son out and go sacrifice him. So there he is as he's laying on this pile of brush ready to be killed and then burnt and here's dad, good old dad with a knife. Let's just tie 
right? That's <laughs> your life. Anybody have, uh, you know, things that maybe their father doesn't love them or something like that? How about that with a knife? Probably nobody had their dad with a knife over top of them, you know, sitting and waiting to kill him and sacrifice. And, oh, I heard God and said, Didn't, don't do it, right? <laughs> That's pretty close to it happening. I'm guessing, all right, since God said, go do this, and it was a test for Abraham, I'm guessing that God spoke to Isaac at some point along the line, but maybe not then. That has to have made a big impact. Good old dad with a big knife right above me, ready to kill me. Do you really love me, dad? Uh, okay, <laughs> okay. So these questions you get and you're like, well, that's kind of weird. So we're going to see what happens with Isaac. Now Isaac, he's about 40 years old before he is going to have, uh, or he's going to get married, about 40 years old. His father, Abraham, sends a servant out and says, go pick a wife for Isaac. Anybody want to do that? Anybody want to have your, have your spouse picked by a servant of the family that just goes out somewhere else and comes back with her? Right? That's not probably the way you would pick it to happen, okay? Because who is this girl? And I hope she's not ugly, right, <laughs> when she comes back, right? Because I hope she, like, some sort of flips a switch on me somehow, right, when she comes back. But that's what happened. Abraham sent his servant away, a long ways away, to a bunch of people that he'd never seen, Isaac had never seen, and said, go pick a wife. Bring her back. And so he picks, and he picks this this woman named Rebecca. Okay? So Isaac gets married to Rebecca. Now, I'm, I'm making that a little funny. It was not unusual to have arranged marriages. All right? Here's one thing you should know about, uh, about marriage is love is a choice. Your life will not be filled with roses and butterflies and sunshine, okay? You choose to love somebody. You choose it. And when the roses die and the butterflies drop dead on the ground and the sunshine's all covered with gray clouds for five years, okay, you still choose to, to love. And that's the thing about an arranged marriage. I'm not advocating any of you should do it, but I am saying it is a choice to love someone. And so Rebecca and Isaac make a choice and a commitment. As did many, many people in the Middle East. Okay, that was typical of them. Now, not often did the person go far away to get that person. Okay, you might have known that person. It's kind of expected. There's, you've seen her or him throughout your life growing up and the families get together and say, this is going to be a good match and go with it. This is just a, hey, go get one. Bring her back. Okay. So here they are and they choose, Isaac and Rebecca choose and they stay married till the day they die. Okay. They choose to love one another. 
except it's pretty messy, all right? But like anyone, they first start out and there's high hopes and we're gonna have good things happen and they're married for almost 20 years and no children, all right? In this day and age, there is a different outlook on children, but in that day, if Rebecca had no children, she was looked down upon by others around her. God must have be cursing you, or you must not be favored by God if you have no children, because that's a great joy in life, and truly it is. It's also one of the hardest things you do in life, okay? But Rebecca has no kids for 20 years. So they get married. Isaac's about 40 when he gets married. 60, they still have no kids. All right? So we're going to pick up the story there. Um, I think that's where we'll be. Chapter 25, verse number 21 through verse number 28, please. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah his wife conceived. And the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in the womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. And when her days to be delivered were filled, So, that is one of the key verses there. This is where you start to see division, all right? Interesting thing, back when, no children, right? And they both pray, but it says Isaac prays to God to say, please let Rebecca have children. And God listened, all right? Doesn't say, I don't know if he... If he prayed for 20 years, I don't know. It doesn't really say that. It just says he did it and God listened. All right? And when that happened, she then was going to have twins and there was a great big jumbling. Now, brand new mothers that have never had any children before, they experience all kinds of crazy things during pregnancy. Things that you never felt inside of you happening. But when it seems like something's really going on all the time and you can't rest because there's tumbling and rumbling and kicking and pushing. 
she finally goes and prays about it to God and says, what is going on? And he says, you've got two nations inside of you battling. And what's going to happen, God says directly to her, is there's going to be fights and wars. And then the older brother, though they're twins, whatever comes out, which whatever comes out first is the older, right? The older brother, who is supposed to get all the blessings and all the things in the Israelite um, families, he's going to serve the younger brother, which is unusual. All right? So out comes Esau, like a red carpet, okay, all covered in hairy old things. He's like a, he says he's like a garment, like a hairy garment. Little guy, right? right? And then out comes Jacob, smooth, no hair, like a little bald guy, okay? And apparently never grows any hair hardly throughout his life. So Esau's a big hairy dude, and Jacob's a smooth guy, hangs around the tents. Esau's man's man, I go out and I hunt and I take deer, probably with a bow and arrow, possibly with something even less than that, okay? I don't know exactly. But there were slings and, and different things like that that they could use. But really difficult to go out and sneak up on a deer and kill it with something, not a gun, okay? There's sneak up with something that you're doing all where you need to have instinct and you need to have the ability to shoot this, okay? So he's practicing all the time, doing these things. He goes out in the field and always bringing home venison, all right? Very different people, both of them. They do end up each having a nation, and they are very split, okay? Here's the interesting thing. Did you notice what was wrong in the family? What's wrong? The last verse we read, what's wrong? Right? They have favorites. Isaac loves Esau, Rebecca loves Jacob, and that's how it is. Because that's, in real families, how things work sometimes. Okay? Not every family, but it does work like that. And there is people in the Bible who haven't really got it right in the way they parent. All right? So she always favors Jacob, probably because she spent more time with him. He's in the tents, means he's probably cooking and doing things more around, being more helpful to mom, because she probably did a lot of the household or tent hold chores, whatever that is, right, around the tent, because they were on the move. That's what they, they are people that move with their flocks and herds. And so Jacob's always helping. Mom likes him because he helps. But why does dad like Esau? Venison. Because I like the way that it tastes, right? Now, probably both are a little shallow in what they think about how they love their kids, right? Parents' love is not perfect. In fact, you won't find it hardly. 
anywhere, in any family, where things are perfect. The only way you can have fair, equal love from a parent is have one kid. One kid only. <laughs> That's how it works, I guess. Because it's different. Every personality is different. And some families, mom and a child click. And mom and another child spark. Right? That's how it is. Or dad and one child click. And dad and the other child spark. Create fires. Right? Explosions sometimes. That's reality of living with people. Right? You got different people. Everybody's got problems. Everybody's got things that they're dealing with. Everybody's got different feelings. And nobody feels the same at the same time. Hardly ever. That's the reality of family. Families like that. Isaac and Rebecca are no different. And they have done this, and they live like this, and it seems as though they either didn't talk much to each other, which is probably a problem, or if they did talk, they didn't listen, or didn't believe what the other person was saying. Okay? And we'll find some evidence of that in time to come here. But to begin with, they've got division. Right? They've got division because I love Jacob, I love Isa, or I love Venison, anyways, right? And he's the way to get it, right? Because I don't have to go get it. So it's a little shallow on Isaac's part. He's not a perfect guy. Not a perfect dad. Messed up. Kind of outrageous. Really just like, why are these people in here again? Because guess what? The world is full of these kinds of people. And he was the son of Abraham, the great man of faith, and it was perfect. And then one day there's a, there is a um, famine in the land, all right? And the famine drives their family further and further away, which means probably crops are drying up and even more than crops all of their thing where they can feed their flocks are drying up so they keep moving till they find a place that's green they finally get to a place that is green and they live under uh in a place called gerar or gerar or i don't know however you want to say that okay under a leader guy named abimelech Abimelech. Could name your kid that if you wanted. So God tells Isaac, stay here. And he does. Now here's the thing. They are, she's 60s or somewhere around there. And all the guys that live in Abimelech's group with his, in his kingdom say, man, she is beautiful. That Rebecca, she's hot. And Isaac does just what his father did. Oh, she's my sister. What? Why do you say she's your sister? Because he's afraid. He's afraid that these guys are going to come and kill him so they could take Rebecca. And so you find out, eventually, 
Isaac and Rebekah must have been out somewhere in the field, and Abimelech is watching out his window and says, oh, there's Isaac out there, and Rebekah, and they are playing around. They are, I don't know, having fun, making sport, it says, with one another, okay? And he says, in their culture, you wouldn't do that with a woman unless if you knew her and not just your sister. And he realizes that she is his wife. Calls him out on it, says, hey, what are you doing? Dummy, this could have really messed your family up. And eventually he kind of drives him out of there and says, just go. We don't want, to, we don't want you around here. You can't even tell us the truth about things. So there it is. Isaac seems to have this ability to say, well, we're just going to make up what we need to to kind of get through. Okay? It's okay to make a little lie. Not a big deal. We're going to make a little lie here. Well, that keeps going in the family. And ultimately, you get to the end. Genesis chapter 27, verse number 18. Finally, over their time... Jacob, I mean, uh, yeah, not Jacob, Isaac gets old, okay? Isaac gets old and he's near ready to die. And he tells Esau, I'm going to give you the, the, the great blessing, but I need you to go out and kill me some deer first because I can't do it without deer. You know, I like deer. There he is thinking of himself first, still causing trouble. And you will see it gives an opportunity for this messed up family to be more messed up. Okay? So there it is, chapter 27, verse number 18 through 30. Let's read that. And he came unto his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. I have done according as thou didst me arise. I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, How is that thou hast found it so good for my son? And he said, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt in him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the and he disputed not on because his hands were hairy and his brother Esau's hands also he blessed All right, let me stop there for just a minute. <clears throat> Go out and hunt some venison, Esau. And then Esau comes back. But it's not Esau. Because Re Rebecca has been listening. And she says to Jacob, Go kill a couple little baby goats with nice we're going to make these baby goats taste just like venison all right we're going to we're going to take the hair off the goats we're going to put it on your arms and your neck so that it, when your father feels it he's going to say oh it's hairy just like esau and you're going to put on esau's clothes so you smell like him and you're going to go in there and you're going to tell him you're esau 
And Jacob says, okay. Because what have they done? They really made a mess of not telling the truth over time. That's the problem is they didn't tell the truth even to each other in this family. Right? They, they had problems with telling the truth. And so Jacob says, sure, no problem, I'll do it. And he goes in, well, wait a minute. What if he doesn't, what if he thinks I might be Jacob because he knows me? Oh, we're going to cover you up with fur. We're going to do these things. So he goes in and he says, boy, it doesn't sound like it. Are you back already from, catch, from, from, from killing a deer? Oh, yeah, 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 God gave it to me. It was God did all this, right? And yet, there he is lying to his father, all right? And just to sum it up, he goes and he smells him and says, oh, boy, the voice is not Esau's, but it must be because it smells like him. So he's even like, this is strange. Now, he's blind at this point, so he can't really see. Okay, so he's trying to go on all his other senses. It's kind of really very much a mess at this point, still. Make a long story short, he gives Jacob the blessing and says, your brother will serve you. All right? Which was supposed to go for Esau. And yet it goes back to what God told his mother in the end, or, or at, when her pregnancy was there, says the older will serve the younger. So ultimately, their family is has, has got some messy stuff. They're not telling the truth. They they've kind of they played favorites. They've done things like that. So why are they in the Bible? I have one more verse. I'm going to go to Hebrews chapter number eleven. This sums up their life in one verse. Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number 20 <clears throat> says, this, this, by the way, is the chapter about those who are faithful. God's faithful people in Hebrews chapter 11. And here is the sum of Isaac's life. By faith... Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. So, yes, they were messed up. But, somewhere under all the messiness was a focus and a belief in God's promises. There was still something, the core of belief, that said to Isaac, I have to do what's right. And when he did bless Jacob instead of Esau, and Esau came back, I got your venison, Dad. He said, but I can't. I can't change it. You know why? Because it was God's will. And he knew it. But he liked Esau better. <laughs> that was the truth. Or he liked the venison better anyways. And he'd always treated him like, yep, you're going to get it, you're going to get it, you're going to get it. But in the end, he actually did what God had said. Now, maybe they didn't talk about it for years. But in the end, their belief was strong enough to put them in the Bible to the place where God says, yeah, they were messed up. But they did believe. 
Faith is something that does not depend on every little detail of your life getting it right. Okay? As you believe in God's promises, He will work and He will change your life. But it is not about a perfect family that's got it all together that has God. It is about messed up families that found God somewhere along the line and said, this is the right thing to do. And messed up all along the way still. But when it counted, they stood for God. And that's one of the things, one of the lessons to learn from some of these outrageous couples is you can, you can make a mess of a lot of things in your life. And you'll pay consequences for doing those things. They all did. But your faith is something that can stand amidst even a mess. All right? You go to God who you are. You don't go to God all cleaned up and ready to go. You go to God, a mess, and God says, I'll take you. If you just realize you're a mess, that's where we start. And that's one of the key things of coming to God. Isaac and Rebecca messed up a lot of things, but in the end, they're counted amongst the heroes in Hebrews because they did believe. And they did live their life because they believed. All right, thank you very much. Have a good day.